looking at verses 14 through 19. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 14 through 19. I sent a message out this morning in the WhatsApp group, um, the Team Timothy guys. I'd love you to come up with one thing that God tells us to stop doing and one thing that God tells us to do. Now, there's going to be several things to choose from, but all you need to do is get one thing that God says stop doing and one thing God tells us to do. So we appreciate you guys jumping in there. I'm going to read the passage to you. Um, it's going back to our study. We've been going through 2 Timothy when this thing hit. As a lot of you remember, our first last Sunday together was the 15th of March. And we shared on that day from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, the verse that says, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And that's been kind of our motto for the last few weeks. Uh, and so we're back into 2 Timothy this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14 through 19. Um, let's read, I'll read the scripture to you. Please follow along in your Bibles or on your phones or your laptops or whatever. 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 19. Remind them, Paul writes to Timothy, of the people that Timothy is teaching, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself or um, approved unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show yourself approved unto God is another is, is the sense of that. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like a cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past. They overflow the faith of some. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Father, we pray that you might bless our time this morning in your word. Uh, bless the message. I ask that you'd speak to our hearts through it. Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us about how to live for you, even in tr- troublesome times like we're in. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, the, the outline is, is not real. It kind of jumps around a bit. There's three points to the outline. As we, we realize we're living in a, a world of change, that things are always happening around us. Uh, and we and the thing is, what we need to do, not just right now, but we need to do anytime, is to keep our focus on what God calls us to do. And that's why we're going to look at this, this passage this morning, and we'll see how God leads us for next week. Now, the outline's kind of, kind of different. First of all, we're going to see that the first part of the outline is that don't waste your time with fighting. Quit fighting over stupid stuff. And that's in verses um, verses 14 and then 16 through 18. The second thing we read is to... Hold on. There's an application here. There's a, there's a challenge about what we are supposed to do. And the last thing we have is the, the, solid, the seal about what God, what God has for us. So the first thing, stop fighting. The second thing is start studying... And the third thing is that we are to. Um, that's a good point for the last part of the outline. Realize how did I put this? Well, the third the third point is the seal that God wraps it up with. So we stop arguing, start studying, and then trust God to put it all together. Um, so three points there, lads. I think you probably have your answer already if you want it um, from the passage. So the first thing we have to do, the first thing Paul tells us to do is to stop fighting. I'm having all kinds of technical difficulties this morning here. 
All right. Remind them of these things, Paul writes. Uh, keep our eyes on the job before. Don't, he says, strive over words. Quit fighting about words. This, if you know me, and most of you do, I think, if you know me, I like to debate. I love debate. I love discussions. I can even, <coughs> I can even um, enjoy stirring the pot sometimes. Uh. I can, I can, and and uh, so this passage. If nobody else has this problem, it's for me. The idea here is is that we don't have time to be caught up in stupid arguments and stupid things to fight about. And the problem is, social media makes it so easy to get involved in these fights. I can do it anytime. I don't need social media to get involved in a good, hearty discussion. But social media makes it so easy to do this. Paul says about these things, verse 4, to remind them of these things, charging, committing, teaching them, don't strive about words that don't have any profit because they ruin the hearers. He says here, don't waste time arguing arguments that don't have any possibility of profiting anybody. And the reality is most of our arguments are just like that. Nobody's going to win. I very seriously doubt that very few minds have ever been persuaded by a Facebook argument. Now, I'm going to apply this a lot to social media because that's where a lot of us are, are having our interaction today. That's where a lot of us are talking to other people. But Paul says, don't get caught up in this. They are, there's enough to distract us. And in these days, these days there's so much. We're arguing the arguments to mask or not to mask, to glove or not to glove. Is this a global conspiracy? Or is this just a very dangerous a threat to the world and the world's economy? And it goes on And anything you post. I posted yesterday about the necessity of gloves and it turned into an argument. Not about the necessity of gloves, but about whether there was even a virus. You know what that does? We're wasting our time. And we'll see some, some problem with that because it says the thing, why do, we, why do we stop arguing? Because it ruins the hearers. Literally, it causes a catastrophe. We have much more important things to do, to argue about the news, the economy, about politics. We can't spend time in doing that because if you've ever been involved in one of those discussions, you watch how the language changes and all of a sudden you have people acting like enemies. Be careful. Profane these profitless words. Down in verse 16, Paul, Paul goes on to write, um, but shun profane and idle babblings. He calls them babblings. And he would, so the first thing they do, they ruin the hearers. The second thing they do, they cause ungodliness. we got to be careful. When we're just blah, 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 blah. We, we even use that today in modern parlance. Blah, you know what you say? Blah, 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 blah. And that's part of what that is. That's that babbling he's talking about here. We need to be careful because this kind of stuff is not only going to, not only is there of no profit, not only does it ruin the hearers, and but not but also it goes it it, it, it um it's a uh, it increases it causes ungodliness because when you get into an argument, when you get into a verbal row, what does it do? It stirs up your flesh, and all of a sudden these angry feelings start creeping out, and we start lashing out. So these stupid arguments that we get involved in cause ungodliness. They're profane, he says. They're ungodly things and they cause ungodliness. 
They're a waste, he says. Um, it's vanity. The, the idle babblings has the idea of you're not. We're not doing any good. I, I love that word vanity, both in the Old and New Testament. You know what vanity means? It's like if you went out and it was a beautiful spring day, like we've had the last few days. It's like if you went out with a with a jar and you decided you were going to capture the spring, and you took your jar and you put it and you screwed the lid on real quick, and you waited till December and you tried to open up that dark jar of spring. That's what the word means. It's grasping at air. Not just grasping at straws, but grasping at air. They're away. They're profane. They're a waste. They spread ungodliness. And then it talked about these two guys, Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have caused these fights. And, and, and their message is spreads like a cancer. It just blows up because people start taking sides. If two people are having an argument or a discussion or whatever you want to call it, and they start taking sides, pretty soon this guy's friends come along and this guy's friends come along, and it gets worse and worse and worse. And what was just a simple little discussion blows up into a full-blown fight. Now, I don't think there's any problem with us having a reasonable discussion. But we need to be careful we don't waste our time. And if we find ourselves in a debate or discussion that's dragging, uh, dragging us down, don't let it spread like a cancer. Nip it in the bud and move on. These guys, Hymenius and Philetus, um, are of this sort. They've done those kind of things. Uh, they were talking about the false teaching of the resurrection. And it says, so the last thing it says that these arguments do, it can destroy the faith of people. I've, sadly, I know people... Um, most of them quite a bit younger than me who've had their faith destroyed because they've watched us arguing over stupid things. They've watched us fighting over stupid rules and regulations and it, we, we people my age have sometimes set a terrible example um, of hypocrisy and fighting. So we got to be careful. Stop arguing because there's no profit in it. The people who hear it are being ruined. The things we argue about are ungodly. They're a waste of time. They spread ungodliness. They're like a cancer taking over the body. They cause people to stray. And sometimes they even destroy the faith. We've got to be careful. Galatians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17 says, When you, you bite and you devour each other, pretty soon you're both going to be consumed. Let's be careful to stop fighting over ridiculous death. John MacArthur says our big problem is believer, believers come when we stop living in the kingdom when we start living on earth. And that's so true here. We have kingdom business to be about. We'll see in a few minutes what that kingdom business, business is. We don't have time for worldly affairs because we've got kingdom business to accomplish. When ambassadors or diplomats are sent to a country, they're not meant to get involved in that country's affairs. They're meant to go and serve their country and, and, and serve their king or their president or whoever. And that's our business, to be involved in the kingdom. We don't get involved with the stupid stuff around us. All right? First thing, stop arguing. Secondly, we, we can look at is in verse 15, start studying. What does that mean? Well, go back to verse 15. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Um, that idea of study is a brilliant word if you're a teacher or, or a student. You think about students who are, are um, cramming for an exam or like students normally this time of year are doing everything they can to get prepared for their junior or their leaving search. And that's not going on now. But normally this is the time of year when people start panicking over their, over their exams. 
and they're revising, they're paying huge amounts of money to get prepared for it. And that's the word that's being talked about here. There's a be diligent or a studying, a, 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 a serious studying that has to take place. And um, so Paul says, you know, study to show yourself approved unto God. Be diligent. It's, it, it's, it's not, you know, be diligent, he says, to present yourself approved to God. We need to have a diligence about our serving God so that people see God living in us. Um, we, there's a passage in Romans chapter 6 where Paul says, you need to, you need to use your body, your arms and your legs and your eyes and your mouth and everything else with the same diligence to serve God as you used to serve your flesh. It requires diligence. We can't just float along, guys. We can't just float along. I saw beautiful pictures of the Beloyus yesterday um, rafting on the canal. Beautiful. It looked like the best time. Relaxing, taking it easy. What an amazing family time that must have been. But when it comes to real life, when it comes to our lives for the Lord, we can't afford just to float along the canal, enjoying the sunshine and the bird song. And it would be lovely if we could do that. But we are to have diligence about our preparation to serve God. That diligence means some... <coughs> means some... <coughs> excuse me. That diligence means that we have to keep going and keep fighting. Sometimes we have to, we have to get our oars out and we have to paddle upstream against the, against the rapids. That's how the Christian life is meant to be lived. Right now, we can't do a whole lot physically. Can't we? Spirit, we can't. We, there's not a whole lot we can do, but we can use our days to, as preparation time to study to show ourselves approved unto God. It's like a, and we and we need to keep. And, we, and that's part of what we can do during this time. We have un, 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 um, unprecedented opportunities to prepare ourselves to do God's work. Then it says, "Be a worker." Study to show yourself approved unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God wants us working. It takes work. It's not just, especially now. Guys, we can't spend 20 minutes logging into Facebook on Sunday morning to watch this message and think our work for God is done. That's not work. It's work every day. There's a kid song that says, Growing in Christ takes work every day. Reading your Bible, learning to pray, and the beautiful song, beautiful kids song goes on from there. It takes work every day. We need to be diligent. We need to be persistent. Uh, we need to be spending time in God's Word every day. A lot of us have that time now. Some of you don't, and that's and and. But at the same time, even those who don't have extra time now need to be. We need to be studying to be proven workers worthy of God. It must possess our nature. We're told what we are told that whatever we do, we are to do with all of our might. And the question is, are we doing that now? Are we are we being that diligent in service? We have never in the history of the world, Christians, had the resources in our hands to be able to study to show ourselves approved to God. It's never been there. It's a click away. Um, Dan shared a, a a word of life, a Bible college level course that they're giving us for free. I think it's only 10 hours, I think is what they said. But it's like a Bible college level course. And those things are out there and they're just waiting for us. But I'm, I'm as bad as the rest of us. What do I find myself doing? I can find myself binging on Highway to Heaven on Netflix. Nothing wrong with that. Spending a quiet time in the evening doing that. Um, but you know what? 
We need to be proving our diligence to God. Taking those opportunities. Looking for Bible study courses. You need any suggestions? I'll be happy to help you with that. Then it said, not only do we, not only do we study, not only are we workers, but verse 15 says, um, that verse 15 goes, also says, um, who does not need to be ashamed. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation, Paul wrote to the Romans. Are we ashamed of our faith? Are we willing to take a stand for Christ? Are you willing to do that online? Are we willing to do that in our conversations? People that we know over in normal days, over lunch or over a break, are we willing to um, not be ashamed of Christ? There can't be shame in our lives. We need to be excited. I listened to a podcast recently about a woman who wrote a book back in the 90s um, about out of the salt shaker into the world. And she was saying, how can I possibly be ashamed of the most important thing that's ever happened in my life? Boy, that challenged me. You know, I, I, I've said before, I, I love Leinster rugby. I'm an Irish fan. I'm a, I'm a fan of Irish rugby. I like Alabama football and the American college football um, leagues. I, I like Chelsea. And I don't mind anybody knowing. So why am I so ashamed to share my faith? God gave me some clear instructions about six months ago. And I decided by the grace of God to try to have God make God part of my conversations when I'm walking on the canal, whenever I'm out. And it's been amazing to watch how God uses that to open doors. We can't be ashamed. It's so easy to talk about everything else. We have the answer. What shames us into silence? We live in a day when people are not ashamed, not afraid to talk about God. And you and I have the answer. We can't afford to be ashamed. We stop arguing. We start studying. And as we study, we learn to be a worker. We learn, we learn to not be ashamed. Then it goes back to the studying again. He says, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to use the word of God skillfully. We can't use it for our own purposes. We can never do that. Using it skillfully takes training. It takes Bible study. It takes preparing yourself to do God's work, to use it skillfully. Literally, rightly dividing the word is like a surgeon with a scalpel. Um, it, it's like the, 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 the surgeon has the scalpel and he, he cuts, he makes a precise cut and it's vi- he or she it's so vital that they use the scalpel in the right place and we're told to be rightly dividing the word of truth to use it skillfully God, but we can't use it skillfully if we don't know it I wonder how much time people listening to this message or who will be listening to this message actually take the time to spend time in God's word every single day not just a cursory reading, but studying it, looking up cross-references, looking up commentaries online. Um, we need to be rightly dividing the word of truth. And as I said before, we can't do that just in this 20 or 25 minutes on a Sunday morning when we click on Facebook Live. I listen to Roger preach, so I'm done for the week. That's nowhere near what we need to do. We need to be spending time with God daily. Stop arguing. Start studying. Study to show yourself approved to God, a a workman who's worthy of God, a worker. We need to be working. We need to be unashamed. And we need to be true to the Word of God. And then lastly, we come down to verse uh, 19. And this is, I call this section the seal, or or applying the seal to all of this. I was just 
overwhelmed by this passage. Nevertheless, we have this sure foundation, the solid foundation of God. This foundation stands sure. What is our seal? What is our foundation? Two things apply here. Two things, part of the seal. The Lord knows those who are His. And secondly, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. The foundation of God stands sure when everything else fails. We have, over the last two months, watched healthcare systems. We've watched economies fail. We're watching food supply lines, and not for us. I can get irritated at us as we're living in first world countries. None of us are going hungry. None of us are doing without toilet paper. But there's people all over the world now because of this economy who are literally starving to death because there's no work. There's no work for oil field workers in places like like Nigeria. And this is what they live on. And all over the world, Argentina oil, oil field workers, there's no work for them. And it's having a tremendous effect. We don't know how it's, this world's going to look when we come out of this. As Christians, we're told to obey the government, and we have to obey the laws that are laid out before us. And we have no idea how what that's going to feel like in the next few weeks and the next few months. Everything's been shaken. If you told me three months ago that there would be virtually no air travel taking place, I would have laughed at you. If you told me I'd be sitting here on Sunday mornings doing a Facebook message to the church, I would have said, that's crazy. If you told me churches all over the world are, are, are being asked not to meet, I would have said, no way. I read yesterday that 28% of the Irish population are unemployed now. Now I realize those are inflated because some of those are receiving the COVID payments. 28% of the population is unemployed. They say that's going to settle around 15 or 16% when this is done. All these foundations are crumbling. But there's one foundation that's not going to cr- that's not going to crumble. That's the foundation of God's word. There's a song that says on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 11 says there's no other foundation which can be laid than that which is laid in Christ Jesus. We teach our kids a song about it goes the wise man built his house upon a rock the wise man built his house upon a rock the wise man built his house upon the rock and the rains came tumbling down well the rains came down and the floods came up and the rains came down and the floods came up well the rains came down and the floods came up and the house on the rock stood firm the same thing goes on top of the foolish man building his house upon the sand and the house on the, the house on the sand went splat at the end of that we teach a lot of we we teach a lot of important children important bible lessons through kids songs our foundation stands sure the solid foundation of god stands sure we have that foundation that we can stand on every day of our lives good times and bad times crisis and non-crisis economic boom and economic crash we have a foundation that stands sure and what's the seal of this two wonderful truths first of all god knows those who are his Nahum 1.7 says, The Lord is good, 
a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust him. Remember, whatever we're going through, that God knows. God knows us. He knows everything about us. I'm, I'm, I'm probably, during this time, going to preach a message from Psalm 139. <clears throat> That's the God that knows chapter. It starts this way. O Lord, o Lord, you've searched me, and you've known me. And the word me is in italics there. It's not literally in the Hebrew t- manuscript. O Lord, you've searched me, and you know. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You um, you comprehend the path and my lying down, and you're acquainted with all my ways. There's not a word in my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you knoweth it all together. You've hedged me behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from this presence? And goes, the Spirit goes on here to talk about God not only knows, but God's with us. God knows them that are His. He knows us. He knows what we're going through. Nothing has caught Him off, caught Him by guard. God knew before, whenever it was, the middle of December, January, February, whenever this thing came, God knew about it already. God knew it was coming. Do you think it caught Him off guard that the airline industry shut down? Do you think it caught Him off guard that you can't give oil away? And that's wrecking the world. Do you think think God was surprised by that? Are you kidding me? Really? No. God knows what we're going through. He knows you and me if we belong to Him. If we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we're part of the family of God, God knows what we're going through. And what's the other part of the seal? That's a lovely part of the seal, isn't it? That God knows we're going through. But then we have responsibility. Let everyone who names the name of Christ, depart from iniquity. We call ourselves Christian. We refer to Christian in a lot of ways. Um, in some ways, it's, it's a generic sense. We live in a Christian culture. Um, we, have, we have cultural Christianity. But those of us who call ourselves Christian, if we name the name of Christ, if we say, I belong to Jesus, and Jesus is living in my heart and in my life, that's the real essence of Christianity. The Bible says, depart from iniquity. These are terrible, terrible times. Times of loneliness, idle hands are some of the worst times for falling into sin. The same internet that provides us the opportunity to be able to share these messages, the same internet that's full of all kinds of ungodly, wicked things that we can fall into. <clears throat> It's not the time to be squabbling with each other. It's not time for our minds and our thoughts to wander. It's not time to let anger build up in us. Those who name the name of Christ were called upon to depart from iniquity. Put it plainly, God knows, and we need to stop sinning. But I can't do that. Well, we preach the resurrection life back on Easter. And according to Romans chapter 6, we don't have to sin. We sin because we choose to. I'm risen with Christ. Christ lives in me. And because Christ lives in me, I have power over, I have I have freedom from the presence of sin in my life and I have freedom from the power of sin in my life. Practically speaking, I'm going to sin till the day I die. I wish I could say differently. Or until Jesus comes back. But our desire, folks, ought to be we look at God's word, we stop the stupid fighting 
We start preparing ourselves, studying to show ourselves approved to God, studying to show ourselves workers, study to not be ashamed. Um, and, 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 and we keep moving forward because we have this foundation. How do we do all that when we feel so weak? The seal of our foundation is this. God knows them who are His. He knows us. And the other evidence of that is, during tough times, let those who name the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Thank God for this tremendous passage of Scripture. I pray that we'd apply it to our lives. Stop fighting. Start studying. And then rest in the foundation of the Lord. All right, did any prayer requests come in? Uh, two, well, I wrote <coughs> Ravi Zacharias. Okay, we need to be praying for Ravi Zacharias. He's a brilliant, noted Bible teacher. Um, he has contracted uh, cancer in his spine. He's been fighting that for a while. <coughs> and they sent him home this week. Basically, they sent him home to die. He's a blessed, godly man. Very deep biblical thinker. Maybe very deep biblical theologian and philosopher. So pray for Ravi and his family. He's been a faithful servant. He'll soon be hearing, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Um, Government leaders. Yeah, pray for our frontline workers. Keep them in mind. Some of them are listening right now. Need to be praying for strength for them. I've been in touch with my uh, friend in Minnesota describing some of the horrible conditions going on in the hospital there. And we need to pray for government leaders all over the world to make the proper decisions. Pray for each other. Um, if you're part of the church, we have a the prayer list was posted on Wednesday night. You can find things to pray for there. Guys, thank you for joining us. God bless you. And may God carry us through this week. Might, might he help us? Might he help Roger to stop fighting over the stupid stuff? To start studying God and being prepared to serve him and rest in the foundation that God knows me. And then stop letting my life be controlled by sin. May God give us each of us that blessing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to look at this passage this morning. I pray we'd apply these things to our lives. Lord, I pray for Dr. Zacharias as he has been sent home from hospital to die. Thank you for his many, many years of faithful service, the books he's written, the things he's taught, the blessing he's been to the world of Christianity, and the people, the way you've used him to see thousands come to know you as, as their Savior. I pray for our frontline hospital and nursing home workers or the... Um, firemen and the and the guards and the police and those who are working in the shops to be able to make sure we can get the food we need and the other essentials that we have to have. Please protect them and bless them. Lord, we pray for our leaders, Lord. I pray that you'd allow the government, the leaders to form a government. Lord, give them wisdom. This road map had to be a very difficult thing to map out. They're all sinners, just like us. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to have agendas. But, Lord, I pray that you might rule in their hearts. I pray for, Lord, the other major countries around the world making decisions. Lord, and obviously the United States is still a world that has a tremendous impact on the world affairs. And I pray that you give the leaders their wisdom. Lord, I pray that you'd be with the president and the vice president and the leaders in Congress. Lord, and as they make decisions that are going to affect the entire world. Lord, carry us through this. Help us to stop the arguing about silly stuff. Help us to start... Um, studying and serving you and Lord help us to rely on the fact that you know us and let let your knowledge of us change us to stop carrying on with our sin in Jesus name we pray Amen
Okay, so we had 25, just that I know of. 25 that logged on? Well, 25 oh, people listening. Jollies, Farina's, Beloyuzik, Seamus, Ash, Caroline, Tommy, and Jeffries, Carol.